from NJ.com. This is Talk is Cheap, a New York Giants podcast. We're talking big blue football all year round. Greetings, Giants fans, and welcome on in to episode 122 of the Talk is Cheap podcast right here on NJ.com, as well as iTunes, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, SoundCloud, Spreaker, Stitcher, and Google Play, and every other podcast platform under the sun. I'm Matt Lombardo alongside Ryan Dunleavy. It's been a really busy Giants week of news, and it's going to be an even busier month coming up ahead with the NFL draft fast approaching. Ryan, how's everything going today? Good, Matt. I'm glad we're uh, doing another one of these so quickly. Get Giants fans used to uh, our voices, our insights, and the NFL. I don't know if you've heard, but the NFL draft is coming up soon. Yeah, it really is. And the Giants have one of the premium picks in the draft, Ryan. So we're going to dive right into that throughout the course of this podcast. But before we get into everything, um, we just want to let people know that all of those platforms we talked about, you can go on there and leave us a five-star review if you like what you hear. Let us know what you think of the show, what we could do better, what you'd like to hear as far as guests and everything moving forward from here. But Ryan, before we get into the draft, yesterday was a pretty big day, Monday was, as the Giants officially opened up their all off-season program at the Quest Diagnostic Training Center, and the headlines really were two key players on offense. One showed up and one didn't. Odell Beckham Jr., of course, reported. He met with Pat Shermer. He spoke to Eli Manning, and Eric Flowers did not. So what were your big takeaways from that piece of news and the first day of the off-season program with new head coach Pat Shermer? I'll take Flowers. Uh, I thought that was Actually, kind of the bigger story because I'll let you discuss Beckham, but to me, yep. not real, not really a whole lot changed with Odell Beckham. It's, to me, the Flowers thing is a bad sign. I mean, the, for him to be switching to right tackle, Shermer tried to be uh, proactive about it. He called Flowers and let him know he was going to be moving to right tackle as soon as they signed Nate Solder before Flowers could find out through the media or before, you know, there was some sort of mixed message. Pat Shermer has impressed me so far with his communication skills. Seems to be very, that's, I think, one of the reasons Beckham showed up is because he's been in constant communication with Shermer. Shermer seems to be very communicative, which is not something I get the impression Ben McAdoo was. So for him to have put in the effort to say to Flowers, look, we want you, this is your new position, you're going to have an opportunity to win the job, et cetera, et cetera. And then for Flowers to be the only one and I haven't counted up the Giants roster. You can have 90 players. I think they might have 88 or 89. Um, but for him to be the only one of those guys who didn't show up, uh, that's according to a source, obviously. Uh, the For him not to have done that is, to me, such a bad look. I mean, I agree. You, you have he, he's had three bad, inconsistent years, and – kind of a big year for him. The Giants have to decide in May whether or not to uh, give him a fifth year of the contract um, or let him go. And this is only going to be his fourth year. And they have to decide now what they're going to do 15 months uh, from now with him. Well, they can decide today. They ain't giving him that fifth year because uh, he hasn't shown enough on the field. And now he certainly hasn't shown the, the commitment to join his teammates. I totally agree. And for a coaching staff, and we were there last week at Quest, and we talked to Hal Hunter, the offensive line coach, and we talked to uh, Mike Shula, the offensive coordinator, and Pat Shermer talked about this in Orlando with you and the rest of the reporters, Ryan, that they were really giving – 
Odell Beckham Jr., Eric Flowers, Eli Apple, Landon Collins, this entire team, a completely clean slate. And I think that this was very damaging for Eric Flowers in the long term. Now, if he has some sort of justification for not showing up, and let's be clear, these are voluntary workouts, but in the NFL world, every head coach and offensive coordinator and position coach knows who's there and who isn't. For all the reasons you outlined, the position change, all of the struggles Flowers has had with consistency on the field since being a first-round pick and not really living up to that potential. And and something I wrote about last week, Ryan, that the Giants don't sound as if they're going to be all that patient with Eric Flowers moving from left tackle to right tackle. This was weightlifting time yesterday. This was meeting with position coaches for the first time. This was getting to know head coach Pat Shermer for the first time yesterday. And Flowers missed out on all of that. And I think it was kind of thumbing his nose at the organization in a lot of ways after they go out and they sign Nate Solder. And like you said, they did tell him outright that you're moving to right tackle, but they didn't make it implicitly clear that he was going to be the starter at right tackle. And the message has been from Gettleman, Shermer on the way down, that it was going to be the best five offensive linemen who were going to start week one. And I think that not showing up day one of the offseason program doesn't help Flowers cause in this case. Agreed. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think last year he spent the entire offseason around the facility, though, and that didn't that didn't seem to make much of a difference in his play. So uh, I forget who said it. Somebody on Twitter had a funny line about maybe he's just it's opposite day for him. Maybe he's going to try everything. You know, if he ate uh, if he ate a heavy breakfast and not a heavy lunch, maybe he's going to switch that around this year and just see if he can uh, basically do everything different and see if he gets different results. Yeah, what he should really do is figure out what exactly he did during that 300-snap streak where he didn't give up a sack last year and just replicate that. That should be the goal. But (laughs) on on, on the flip side of the coin and some more positive news out of Quest on Monday, Odell Beckham Jr. showed up. And this was one of the unknowns going into this offseason program after all of the trade rumors were swirling in Orlando. And you had the report from Ian Rappaport early in those meetings that Odell Beckham Jr. might hold out without a new contract rather than play out the the final year of his rookie deal or at least skip out on preseason workouts and not stepping on the field until the regular season. This was, in my opinion, Ryan, and you can let me know if you agree or disagree. I think this was a gesture in good faith on the part of Odell and the part of his camp that now that he's here, now that he's in the building, now that he showed up on day one, this could be the step towards maybe getting that contract extension done. Maybe those conversations that he's had with Pat Shermer and with Eli Manning and I'm sure with Dave Gettleman over the past several weeks and months, maybe there's some momentum that can be built there by him being around his new teammates, getting to know this new coaching staff, that maybe an extension could be done to keep him happy and keep him in the building for the rest of the preseason. Yeah, I agree. And I think what it really was, honestly, was a big uh, validation of Pat Shermer's power basically uh it's no it's no secret that the locker room crumbled last year around ben mcadoo uh to me it was look look at the respect that odell beckham has for pat Shermer. he's gonna show up and he's gonna like you said a goodwill gesture it just puts Shermer in a place like all right well if odell's here then i should be like if i was eric flowers i would pack my bags and make sure i was there today because if odell's gonna come If Odell, who's productive and injured and unhappy with his contract, is going to come, then I get better get my butt there because 
Uh, that's what I think that said to me more than anything. And we don't know how, let's be clear. We don't know how long Odell might be gone today. Right. We don't, we don't know how long Odell is going to stay. He and we don't know how long uh, Eric Flowers is going to stay away either. Right. Yeah. We don't know how long, um, we know Odell can't practice. He's still too injured to practice. So really he's just being team meetings and saying hellos and stuff. And the team can't take the field really for two weeks anyway. So, uh, it's, it's it, In a way, it sounds like much ado about nothing, but I think if you paid close attention to the Giants last year, you know it's not. You know who shows up, who doesn't show up is a big deal. You know, just like it's a big deal that Eli, that Eli Apple and Landon Collins appear to have buried the hatchet. Mo, yep. A lot of what's going on with this team right now is just who's getting along with who, and the fact that Beckham showed up uh, shows he's getting along with Shermer, which I think is a very, very good sign. And Ryan, I know you were tired of this this saying last week on the previous podcast, but I think that it really, in the case of Odell, and certainly listening to Landon Collins yesterday talking about burying the hatchet with Eli Apple that you alluded to, it, it really sounds like Don't say 88 of the 89 players Don't on this team it. Don't say clean slate. are taking the clean slate to heart from the coaching staff. Uh, yes, I get it. It's a clean slate. Every time there's a coaching change, it's a clean slate. I get it. Yes. Yeah. So, so obviously there's a lot going on at Quest this week in terms of people holding hands and singing Kumbaya and weightlifting and rallying behind the message of Pat Shermer. But Ryan, the Giants are going to have a lot of work to do, not only leading up to the NFL draft, but also with two of the best players on this team. And we talked to a couple of these guys about it yesterday on the conference calls. Landon Collins and Odell Beckham Jr. It's a rather complicated contract situation, and I wrote about it this morning on the site. The Giants have to figure out how to and when to extend both of these guys because they are both up for their rookie deals, and they're both probably going to command contracts that put them in the top five, if not the highest paid players at their position. I have an interesting idea on this I want to share, Matt. Let's hear it. The safety market, if you're paying attention, the safety market this offseason has been atrocious. Really good, like Pro Bowl caliber safeties are sitting on free agency. Top free safeties, excuse me, top safeties, free and strong, have not gotten paid uh, what we all thought they would get paid. They've had to take shorter term contracts or less guaranteed money. So really, I think in a perfect world, the Giants should extend Landon Collins immediately. I agree. while the market is what it is, before he has another great year, the Giants should extend Landon Collins immediately. Take it should advantage. be priority one. And, and for a guy who's averaged over 106 tackles a year, Ryan, I, could, I wouldn't blame them if they went out and they locked him up and got this off their to-do list. But that is such, But here's why I said it was interesting, Matt. That is such a bad look for Odell Beckham. I mean, if you want – so now he gave you this goodwill faith – gesture and now you're going to go out and sign Landon Collins before you sign Odell Beckham who let's call it Landon Collins is very good he's not quite as good as a safety as Odell Beckham is as a wide receiver Odell Beckham's been in the league longer he's got more wear and tear on his body in a perfect world I think you sign Landon Collins first because that's what the market dictates but as we've talked about, Odell is sensitive. He just he just took call. Say it was a separation, right? Let's let's look at it like a marriage. And I think you and I are both you and I are both married. Neither one of us is separated yet. Uh, so um, 
I think that's what it kind of looks like, right? Odell Beckham took the first step to reuniting this marriage, and now you're going to go out and re-sign Landon Collins first? That's very, very tricky. I don't know if they can do that. Well, I think that that's what makes this so complicated, right? Because you have arguably a top four wide receiver in the league and probably a top 10 safety in the NFL, two of the top players at their position. And you look at what the market's going to dictate, right? And you look at the top five wide receiver contracts, and you look at Mike Evans, who was just signed a deal, I believe, for somewhere in the area of $85 million, I think, was yeah. the Mike Evans contract with Tampa Bay. 85 and then, with 55 guaranteed. And then you look at the safety market, and the highest paid safety in the league, Eric Berry of the Kansas City Chiefs, averages out at $13 million per year. And if I'm the Giants, I, I think you have to get to that number with Landon Collins. And I, they have the cap room to do it over the next three seasons. But I think that in order to figure out what you're going to be able to afford to pay Odell Beckham Jr., you have to get landing Collins locked up first because those negotiations can drag out. And like you said, if you allow this thing to fester and you allow to have landing Collins hit the open market at the end of this year, which probably won't happen. I'm sure that Dave Gettleman and the Giants will have a deal in place before the season ends. All of a sudden, the market is flooded, as you pointed out, Ryan, with top flight, all pro, pro bowl caliber safeties, which is going to drive that market even higher. While Odell Beckham Jr.'s asking price is still going to be somewhere in in the 88 to 101 million dollar range. So to me, you get Landon Collins done first to figure out what you have on hand, and then you go all in on Odell Beckham Jr. Yep, I agree. And something and, else, something else yeah. to throw in here too, Matt. Before we switch over, is uh, they're also going to have another. And this is you wrote, you did a nice job with the Collins and Beckham story, and. Same time this morning, I wrote something. They're also going to have a decision to make on Eli at the same time. I mean, Eli is under contract in 2019, but, you know, they they could still decide to move on from him before 2019. Eli's future is no no given here either, especially as we get into the draft and what they do with the draft. I mean, is this Eli Manning's last season with the Giants? I thought it was fascinating, right? He was asked that question point blank, yep. and he he gave an Eli Manning answer, which if you're a Giants fan listening to this podcast, you know that means a politically correct answer. And he said, it's up to me. I have to play better this year. It's a one-year-at-a-time kind of league, which is what you would expect him to say. He put the onus on himself. But – a couple minutes before that, he was asked about Odell Beckham, one of six questions he was asked about Odell Beckham. And and he refused, uh, Ryan, to basically speak isolation on uh, Odell Beckham Jr. and made every one of those answers, by the way, collective and about the team. Yes, he did. That was Which my is- biggest takeaway from that. Yes, he did. And he, but he's Eli Manning, so that's right. what you expect him to do. But he did say, I expect to play with – I hope to play with Odell for years to come. Not year to come, years to come. And he's not expecting to play with Odell Beckham for years to come in Jacksonville. He's expecting to play with Odell Beckham for years to come in East Rutherford. So he not only wants Beckham to get his contract extension, he wants to be the one throwing him the balls beyond 2018. So I thought that was interesting too. It was – Maybe like when Eli got asked a question 
point blank. He gave you the politically correct answer, but maybe he slipped in his true feelings when he was asked about Odell, which is, uh, you know, he does. He's not looking for a victory tour in 2018. No, and Eli Manning's 37 years old. He'll be 38 in January, which would make him at the age of 38 when the 2019 regular season begins. It seems unrealistic to me, Ryan, that the Giants, even if they could lower his cap number or give him some sort of front-loaded incentive-based signing bonus two- or three-year deal. I have a really hard time envisioning outside of the Giants going in the draft and drafting Saquon Barkley and drafting a tackle and this offense clicking on all cylinders and Eli Manning going out and throwing 30 touchdowns and 16 interceptions. I have a real hard time thinking the Giants are going to lock Eli Manning up into his 40s. I just don't see that happening. Yeah, it'd be it'd be interesting. I mean, the Mara family, the Tish family loves Eli Manning. So it'll be very interesting to see how that plays out. And I think we'll get our first look at that in two weeks with what they do with the draft pick. No, absolutely. And I think that's a perfect segue into our brief preview of the NFL draft before our NFL draft preview extravaganza coming up here in a couple weeks. But um, Ryan, what the Giants do with the number two pick is fascinating. And it really holds the cards for everything in the top five, everything in the top 10 teams trying to trade up to storm the gates to try and get a quarterback. Do the Giants like a quarterback not named Sam Darnold? As I spoke to a, a rival NFL talent evaluator, um, over the weekend, I the like Giants, how you put that a rival NFL talent event. You like that? You sounds like that? Like, sounds like you're an expert. Well, not not me. I, I'm not the talent evaluator. A rival evaluator yeah. for the Giants yeah. went out and, and basically said that he told me that in conversations with people in the Giants organization, all of the scouts love Saquon Barkley, but the debate is can they get a, a Alvin Kamara type of running back, a running back who um, isn't quite on Saquon's level, but you could plug into a system as a three-down starter in rounds two, three, or four, and when it comes to quarterback, it's down to if Sam Darnold is on the board at number two, Sam Darnold will be the Giants pick in their quarterback of the future, but they don't want Josh Rosen and they're not in on Josh Allen. Hearing that, what do you think the Giants wind up doing on draft night? Well, a couple of things I want to throw out at you that you just alluded to. If your guy is right on how they think uh, about the Giants, then I wrote a story this weekend. I spent some time with a guy who fits that billing because I think Akram Wadley, who New Jersey football fans should know from his name. Akram Wadley from Iowa. Yep, from Iowa. If you're a Big Ten fan, you should know him. If you're a New Jersey football fan, we Quayic High School. I spent some time with him this weekend. He had met with uh, the Giants and Jets last week at local pro days. Uh, the kind of guy you would normally bring in for what's called a top 30 visit. Each NFL team is allowed to bring in 30 prospects to their facility. Uh, but both the Giants and Jets found a loophole with Akram Wadley because he's from New Jersey. He's living here right now again. So, uh able to bring him to local day. He spent some time with Giants running back coach Craig Johnson. Um, after the local pro day, they both put him through, uh, you know, running back drills and pass catching drills. So uh, he's a guy, if you're looking for a Camara or a Kareem Hunt, uh, he's a guy I really like in this draft, Akram Wadley. Um, yeah, I like him a lot, too. And I think that if you were waiting on running back until the second round, you could also look at somebody like Sonny Michelle out yeah. of Georgia. Nick Chubb out of Georgia could be on the board at that point. Maybe even Darius Geis out of LSU, yeah. who's probably the number two or number three 
three overall running back in this class. If any number of those guys are still on the board and the Giants went in a different direction other than Saquon Barkley at number two, yeah. I don't think you'd be unhappy with any of those guys as, as your lead dog in a backfield by committee. Yeah, and it's been fascinating to see how many different experts have how many different picks. I've seen Quentin Nelson for the Giants. I've seen Sam Darnold for the Giants. I've seen Josh Rosen for the Giants. I've seen Barkley for the Giants. I've seen trade down for the Giants. Uh, Really, uh, it's been fascinating to see all the stuff that different people have with the number two pick. Yep, and the one thing to remember is that Dave Gettleman, in his career as a general manager, has never traded down in the first yeah. round. He's traded up, he's moved up to go and get his guy, but he's never traded down. And I think that if you're the Giants, I, I, this is me speaking, and, and Ryan, you, you can let me know what you think about this, and we might have touched on this last week a little bit. If I'm the Giants sitting there at number two, I'm taking Saquon Barkley, and the reason I do it is because you round out your offense. You can have a potentially elite running back who can challenge for the rushing title every year, catches the ball out of the backfield, very good in pass protection as a blocker. Odell Beckham Jr., if you lock him up long term, Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram, you've you've signed Nate Solder in free agency. You can make a run at a wild card berth in 2018 if Eli Manning um, plays at an even pedestrian level at quarterback, and then you can go up and get your quarterback next year or the year following and drop him into the perfect offense to to learn the game and improve and grow and develop. I, I understand that you, you're not going to be picking number two all that often, but if Sam Darnold is your one and only quarterback in this year's class that you think has the potential to be a franchise guy or your franchise guy, and he's off the board, I think you take Saquon Barkley, you feel good about it, and you build an offense that can compete this year and be a, a tailor-made fit for a rookie quarterback to jump into next year. So I would, and you and I are about to do a uh, three-round three mock draft in this, yep. po- in this podcast. I know everybody loves mock drafts. I, I got to tell you, man, I kind of like the mock draft. I, oh, they're I, great. Yeah, especially the team only ones. I kind of think they're fun. So, um, so we're gonna do that. And for the sake of that, I'll um, pick at number two. But before we get to that, you just gave us your number two pick. Before we get to the three round mock draft, really, what I would do because you asked me a few minutes ago what I yep. would do, I I would trade down within the top seven or so picks because I think three or maybe four quarterbacks will go in the top seven picks. And if you're good at math, and I'm not. But if you are, uh, if three or four quarterbacks go in the top seven picks, then that also means there's room for Quentin Nelson, Saquon Barkley, and Bradley Chubb. So if you're telling me four quarterbacks go in the top seven and then those three guys go in the top seven, well, then I'm guaranteed to get one of those seven players. And I think those are the three players the Giants really want. Saquon Barkley, Bradley Chubb, and Quentin Nelson. So – I would trade down. I'd get a couple extra picks if I could. I would not trade with Buffalo to 12. I would not risk falling all the way to 12. I've seen some mock drafts where Quentin Nelson is still available at 12. I think that's ludicrous. Um, I've seen some mock drafts where Minka Fitzpatrick, the defensive back jersey guy, is still available at 12. I think think he goes in the top 10, maybe the top 8. Yep, I think that's ludicrous that he would still be there at 12. I think at 12 you're taking a guy who – and that's listen, that's where Odo Beckham went, right? But that's the exception. You don't get an Odo Beckham at 12 every year. So at 12, you're getting a guy who you hope makes some Pro Bowls and is an impact player. At 
five to steal Dave Gettleman's phrase. You're, you're hoping to get a, excuse me, within the top five to steal De- Dave Gettleman's phrase. You're hoping to get a guy who wears a gold jacket, which means a Hall of Fame caliber player. And uh, so I would trade down within the top seven or so, not out of that. And I would hope to get whoever was still there, Barkley, uh, Chubb, or Nelson. All right. So who's your pick in the first round? If we're, if we're going to do our three, our three round mock, ra- mock draft right now, who's your okay. first pick? I'm going to go Saquon Barkley and I'm going to, that's boring because you went Saquon Barkley yep. and we're, and our boss, if he here is listening to this podcast is going to send us an email and say, why would you guys, <laughs> why would you guys both pick Barkley? Go ahead. Uh, you know, I'll be the one getting the email of, uh, you know, <laughs> Penn State or you, you <laughs> take your, your, your blue polo off. I'll be getting that email. But uh, when, when Saquon Barkley is competing for a rushing title as a rookie, everybody can, uh, you know, kiss the ring. He's the best. He's the best fit. That's yep. it. That's simple. For what, for what the Giants are trying to do, which is win now, that's why you sign Nate Solder. That's why you trade for Alec Ogletree. We've been through this. He's the best fit for win now, and that's why I think they've very curiously handled the running back free agent market, bringing just a 30-year-old Jonathan Stewart – Probably he's a good soldier to help, you know, teach the offense and, and you know, uh, be a leader. Right. But they did, had no interest in Orleans Darkwa. Nope. They didn't go after it really anybody else other than a casual interest in Dion Lewis. Um, I think that's because they're saving a spot for Saquon is my that's my opinion. Ryan, Saquon Barkley is the number one prospect in this draft. That's why you take him at number two. Um, I'll make my pick in the second round and I'm going to go with Will Hernandez out of UTEP. I know that you reported the Giants had him in for a visit and a workout. He's a guy that I think is graded out, in my opinion, as a low first round pick, high second round pick, great value there. It would further solidify the offensive line. It would get Dave Gettleman one of his hog mollies. And I think that it would, along with Saquon Barkley, if you can come away with those two in your first three picks, that sets your offense up even further to protect Eli Manning and get ready for a plug and play young quarterback in a year or two. Yeah, that's I like that pick. I think that's a little bit aggressive, Matt. I don't think that Will Hernandez will be there in round two. Now, listen, if the Giants love Will Hernandez and he's there at like 25, 26, it fits Dave Gettleman's M.O., to trade up and go get Will Hernandez trade up. We've seen teams do it recently yep. where you trade up from the beginning of the second round. It's happened the last couple of years where you trade up from the beginning of the second round into the late first round. It only costs you like a fourth round pick to go from 33 to 30 or from 32 to 29. So to go from 34 to 26 might cost you like a third round pick. The giants have two of those. Um, if Will Hernandez is there, it would not surprise me to see Dave Gettleman do that. Um, I don't think he will be there, so I'll give you two names. I did a mo- two-round mock what's draft. This two, what's this two-name stuff? Well, well, I'm, I'm, my pick is this. My pick is Josh Sweat, and that might be a bit of a reach, although I did see an NFL Network draft have Josh Sweat go. He's the outside linebacker from Florida State. I saw an NFL draft. Uh, mock draft where he went in the first round, which that made me feel a little better about how I, I really like the guy. Um, 
I've seen him in third rounds of mock drafts. I've seen him in second rounds. That was the first time I saw him. I think he went to the Titans at 25 overall. I really like Sweat. I think he'd be a good player for uh, the Giants at 34. I know for a fact the Giants like Sweat. Um, do I know that they like him at 34? Or are they hoping he slips all the way to 66? I don't know. Um, but I know they like him. They've had it. They've met with him multiple times. So I really like him at 34. I think he'd be the pass rusher uh, they need in this 3-4 defense. If they didn't do it, if they went your way with offensive line, I'll throw out a name who might – he's on that late first, early second round border. This is not my pick. I'm not cheating. My pick was sweat. But uh, James Daniels from Iowa, another Iowa guy. Yep. Uh, who uh, can play both center and guard, maybe uh, compete with John Jerry at guard this year. And then Brett Jones, the Giants starting center, signed a restricted free agent offer. So he basically has a one year prove it kind of contract was really good last year as the starting center Uh, could be really good again and get a long term deal. And if he's not, then James Daniels slides over from guard to center in the future. All right, my third round pick, I'm going back to Iowa as you are, and I'm going with inside linebacker Josie Jewell, right? And this is linebacker is a position the Giants have negated for a pretty long time, and that has changed this offseason with Dave Gettleman. We saw the trade for Alec Ogletree. We saw them bring in some other free agents to bolster that position. Jewell's a guy that has a long wingspan, very good at knocking down passes, does a nice job getting after the quarterback, and I think that he's somebody that can play alongside Alec Ogletree now and three years down the line could really emerge as that quarterback of the defense He's a really strong leader in that Hawkeye locker room and I think that he would be someone that as you build championship defenses up the middle with defensive tackles inside linebackers and safeties I think he fits that bill and if he's there in round three I think Josie Jewell is a great fit for this scheme all right so my third round pick because I went uh, because I went with a pass rusher in the second round, I'm going to go offensive line now. I'm going to go Brian O'Neill from Pittsburgh. Uh, he's a left tackle. He's a former tight end. He's very athletic, could play right tackle, and I think that's where he'll play uh, for the Giants, which is back to the beginning of this podcast. Everything comes full circle, right, Matt? Of course it does. <laughs> so you want to challenge Eric Flowers. You want to light a fire under his butt and say, uh, hey, man, this is it's now or never for you. Will you bring in Brian O'Neill? He's kind of a swing tackle left or right. If uh, And Flowers, I guess, would be the swing tackle, too. I mean, uh, he could play left or right, obviously. And if something happened to Nate Solder, which would be an absolute debacle if that happened to the Giants, if he got injured. But if he did, you'd have insurance with O'Neal. And if you decided to move on from Flowers after this season, which I think they will today, that's what I think. Um, then Brian O'Neill steps in as your starter. I really like him. Pittsburgh offensive tackle. That's where I would go uh, w- with my first third round pick if I'm uh, the Giants. All right. So my remember, they have a second third round pick. Yep. Yep. My second third round pick. And I don't know that this guy is going to be on the board this late, but I know the Giants like him. They sent wide receivers coach Tyke Taylor to, to work him out. Um, they, they sent him to the Memphis's pro day. Anthony Miller, a guy 5'11", 195 pounds, fast as lightning, playmaker, might be better suited to play in the slot. And if that's the case, the Giants have Sterling Shepard. But I think his speed and playmaking ability makes him good enough to potentially move to the outside 
side. He's modeled his game after Odell Beckham Jr. And I think that plugging Anthony Miller into this offense and giving them yet another weapon would make this offense all the more difficult to defend uh, this year and moving forward. Uh, that's an interesting pick. Uh, I like I like that pick. Uh, I'll go with a corner because I, I, I think they need – I mean, they've done some interesting things at corner, right? They brought in William Gay, who's a veteran. I think he'll be the slot guy. They've brought in all these guys who are – Special teamers who have, who play defensive back, whether it's B.W. Webb or Teddy Williams or Curtis Riley, um, they've kind of loaded up on defensive backs. But all, I, it almost feels like they're hit or miss defensive backs, and they're hoping maybe a couple of them uh, work out. I don't. I wouldn't even be surprised if they didn't all make the team. Um, yeah. So I I expect the Giants somewhere in round three, four, or five to pick a defensive back, maybe somebody who can play both. Uh, Maybe somebody who can play both corner and safety. Um, that would be ideal, I think, for them. Uh, so I think that's where they'll go somewhere in three, four, or five. Gettleman has a long history in Carolina of picking uh, cornerbacks somewhere in the middle rounds of draft. He loads up on cornerbacks. So at this point, I'd go MJ Stewart, the cornerback from North Carolina, I think is a good third-round pick. Um he might be gone by then. He's kind of a guy who I've seen rising up the boards. He was late third, early fourth when all this started. And I've seen him sneak sometimes into the second round. If he's gone, maybe Kaiser white from West Virginia, uh, a safety, but for the sake of a mock draft where you have to lock somebody in, uh, I'll take MJ Stewart in the third round. Uh, but, uh, Kaiser white, whose brother, Kevin, uh, is actually uh, in the NFL uh, first round pick for the Bears and Kaiser White actually has some jersey ties. He was uh, grew up in Plainfield. Uh, I, he would be interesting to me as well if he was there in the third round. Yep, and I think that the Giants having two third round picks that could also be some ammunition if Dave Gettleman does try to trade back into that first round um, to add a, a playmaker on either side of the football. You could package um, your second round pick and one of those thirds and maybe a future second to get back into that pick 25 through 32 range. And if you can come away with Saquon Barkley and another first round pick, or if you wind up taking a quarterback like Sam Darnold and, and you wind up with a running back like Darius Geis or like Nick Chubb, or you land one of those offensive linemen like Will Hernandez if you're afraid he doesn't make it to round two, I don't think the Giants or Giants fans could be disappointed with that type of a haul on night one. No, I agree. I mean, I I, I, I think that if you can get two first-round picks, you get two fir first-round picks. So uh, I think that's probably something that was in the back of Gettleman's mind. when he, And the reason they have two-thirds is because they traded Jason Pierre-Paul, yep. for anybody who doesn't know. I think that was probably in the back of the Gettleman's mind when he made the Pierre-Paul trade. Um, but uh, Or you could just as easily trade two third-round picks and wind up with two second-rounders if you feel there's value there as well. Correct, yep. That's another that's another way to go. I think I think the Giants need to come out of the first two days, probably with two starters and a guy who will challenge for us for a uh, for a starting spot immediately, be it a guy like Brian O'Neill, like I said, who will challenge challenge yep. Eric Flowers. 
And that's what's so fascinating about all this, Ryan, because if you take Sam Darnold, obviously he's not starting day one. But if you take Barkley or Quentin Nelson or Bradley Chubb, someone that we haven't even spoken about on this podcast, but could be that immediate plug and play starter at defensive end. Now you allow yourself some flexibility to go and get another starter in the second round or in round two or round three, get yourself a developmental quarterback, maybe someone like Mason Rudolph out of Oklahoma State, who you secured one starter, but you can also come away with a developmental quarterback along with Davis Webb, where you can have some options now over the next couple of years, and you have a potential for a legitimate succession plan behind Eli Manning. I will say this. I will criticize the heck out of the Giants if they pick a quarterback anywhere but number two in this draft. Okay. Then then why did you bother picking Davis Webb last year? Why have you... uh, why have you, you know, get, why are you giving Davis Webb a showcase later this month before the NFL draft? What a wasted pick that was. And I understand they re- changed regimes. But if you're going to pick uh, uh, Kyle Leluda from Richmond in the third round, or if you're going to pick a Mason Rudolph in the second round, then what was the point of picking Davis Webb? Either either you pick a quarterback at number two because he's such a or they think Or they think that Davis Webb can't play. Correct. Because – well, then that then then okay. Well, then just say that. I mean, then just yeah. move on. Then cut him because there's right. then there's because there's no point in having Davis Webb as your third quarterback in his second year because now he's just got jumped by uh, now he's going to get jumped by Mason Rudolph or something like that. Well, that's silly. So um, to me, it's Darnold or you know whoever at the number two pick or it's Davis Webb those are your succession plays I don't if they pick another mid-round quarterback who's another you know maybe he works out maybe he doesn't kind of guy uh stop telling me that you know every third round quarterback is Russell Wilson they're not um he's the exception so uh yeah if they do that again I I will scratch my head to the point my hair might fall out so whatever uh, hair is left right yeah (laughs) tell me about it tell me you must have been talking to my wife and then uh and then the other the other thing is uh yeah i just i can't i can't wrap my head matt i can't wrap my head around if if you do that but the other thing is i can't wait for the post draft podcast the monday after the nfl draft i'll be and I almost hope to take Mason Rudolph in round two, just so I can get this reaction out of you. Yeah. And this goes off into the ethosphere because yeah. th- this is brilliant. Right? Because, yeah. And I don't necessarily disagree with you unless they determine during the three-day minicamp before the NFL draft that Davis Webb just doesn't have it. And, and I think it's unfair to Davis Webb to yeah, that, make that decision on three days in practice, just like yeah, I think three it was. Days. Three days in shorts. In shorts. Blitz is. I mean, and on. I think that it's completely unfair to Davis Webb and completely unfair to this regime that Ben McAdoo and Jerry Reese and the previous regime didn't silly. play Davis Webb a single snap silly. during a 3-13 and 13 season. It's silly because now you've set yourself up to where it's a question of what you do with the number two pick. And it's a question of what you do at silly. quarterback beyond Eli Manning when you could at least have close to an answer had you seen Davis Webb against live bullets a year ago. Correct. Silly. Yep, I uh, agree. Go ahead. The one thing is, and you can rip me for this. I don't know if you saw it. I had Mason Rudolph going number 15 overall in my mock draft. I had really? a Lam- I had a Lamar Jackson. I had him to the Cardinals at 15. It's on the record here. Maybe it's crazy when he's still there in round four. Every all you got, all the fans can tweet me and tell me how stupid I am. Um, 
But if he goes to the Cardinals in re- at 15 overall, I'm going to be taking a victory lap. Uh, you know, I'm going to be doing as a- you should. And and Ryan, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I think that Mason Rudolph has Drew Brees written all over him, and I hey. think that there's going to be some team is going to get tremendous value from yeah. Mason Rudolph. And if he goes to the Cardinals, even after Larry Fitzgerald retires, if they can yeah. replenish the talent pool around him, that's going to be an ideal landing spot for him. Yep, yep. Uh, you heard it here first. Well, that's going to just about wrap it up for this edition of the Talk is Cheap podcast. But before we get out of here, just one more reminder. If you like what you heard today, please go to iTunes. Please go to Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star review. Let us know what you think. Give us a suggestion of a guest that you might want to have on the show. Like us on YouTube, SoundCloud, Spreaker, Stitcher, Google Play. Um, You can follow Ryan on Twitter at R.Y. Dunleavy, and I'm at Matt Lombardo, PHL. Yes, we're working on that Twitter handle. <laughs> no, I don't want to lose the blue check mark to fix that Twitter handle, so we're going to have to work through that. But, uh, Ryan, this was a lot of fun, and I already can't wait till next time. Yeah, it'll be good. Uh, we'll see uh, how different our mock drafts are now compared to two weeks from now. It's silly season, and it's always changing. He's Ryan Dunleavy. I'm Matt Lombardo. Thanks again for listening to us right here on the Talk is Cheap podcast on NJ.com.